When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. First episode uh, since being home from college. Officially done with the semester. LJ, the good grades came in. Yes, sir. Uh, and... We'll be home until right after, I believe, Martin Luther King Day. But uh, other than that, I'm doing good. LJ's home as well. Expect some content with us together in person coming soon. But we have a very special episode, LJ. Yes, especially seeing this is the what? Is this the half-month lockout anniversary? <laughs> I, I think it's close to the half-month lockout half-month special this 45 minute half month lockout special um yeah so we're gonna go ahead and go through all of the guys on the hall of fame ballot for this year or at least all of the major names i believe we have at least what 20 that we're talking here all the very relevant ones all of the relevant ones will be hopefully talked about today and then we will give our own takes on who should be getting into this thing. Brandon, we may as well start with the most controversial, the most talked about ones, the guys that are on their last leg here. Let's talk about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Brandon, 
All right. Bear, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. So we have two players who are both, uh, without any doubt, very talented baseball players who put up insane statistics throughout their entire very long careers for 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 uh, for both of them now they were taking steroids in a time where there was a gray area and it wasn't really enforced back then yes they're involved with the balco scandal and the mitchell report and all of that but for the most part i mean like, look, they didn't have to serve a suspension or anything, and they're real, really only their the only a punishment that those two have gotten is how people are voting for them and have voted for them these first nine years that the they've been on the Hall of Fame ballot, and the fact that they aren't in when obviously, if you look at their numbers without the PEDs, they're without a doubt first ballot Hall of Famers. Yes. Let me start off with this. This is a message to baseball Twitter. I'm fine with the lockout content. However, if I hear one more person try to justify Barry Bonds' Hall of Fame merits based on his statistical numbers, you will you will be muted by the MLB Daily Twitter. I feel very comfortable saying that because I am sick and tired of seeing it. It is the most stupid and... I guess like you don't understand if, if you're trying to make that case about his numbers, you clearly do not understand the debate at this point in time. Bonds and Clemens were amazing players. Statistically, there's no issue there. They have some undisputed some disputed claims against them, claims that are not good. But here's the way I would like to take, or at least the way I'm looking at the PED stuff at this point. And this really goes across everybody across every level. First off, if you do not have a positive test, a known, a confirmed positive test that's absolutely like true and or a suspension for it, then it should be looked at differently than those who were tested positive and were suspended. Guys like a... Uh, Robinson Cano. Honestly, Robinson Cano is probably the best example of a guy that's currently in the league that will probably end up on a ballot at some point, regardless of whether he's good enough to get in. I would handle him differently than I'd handle a Bonds and a Clemens. Either way, this is all falling under the idea of integrity and your the, 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 the personal part of it, not the baseball part, the part of qualification as far as you as a person i am really struggling here i'm sorry but i think my thing here is how much are we really going to weigh these guys for doing it especially the guys that did it in an era where it was largely accepted especially guys where there were many instances where you didn't really know what was going on realistically in from what i've seen sports training and sports all of that the supplements everything hasn't become the absolutely perfect everything they know everything that goes into their body their bodies are a temple that it is now until the last 10 years that i think makes a difference as well but at the end of the day at the end of the very day brandon i need you to answer this question will barry bonds 
always be a staple of MLB history? I mean, I think he has to be. He has the most home runs in league history. When you think of the 90s, is Barry Bonds one of the defining things you think of? I mean, not like the first thing, but he's certainly up there. I mean, he's one of the players that I think of. You've got the home run chase, you know. You've got, you know, you've got. He's unequivocally the greatest player of the 90s. I'm sorry? He's unequivocally the greatest player of the 90s. Oh, yeah, I know. That's what I'm trying to get out here. Thank you. That that I can can agree with. He is the defining player of the 90s. He was the star from point A to point B. He's always going to be remembered for that era of baseball. So will Clemens. So will A-Rod for, for those two, the 2000s. If they're always going to be staples of baseball's history, then you cannot leave them out of the Hall of Fame. You get what I mean? Yeah. Like, if, if they are a, a defining part of the history of baseball, then how can you, as the Hall of Fame just deny them that when the rest of the world isn't denying them that. Like, it would be different if no one wanted to ever see Bonds' face again. It would be different if they excommunicated him from the league. And he still had, if they excommunicated him from the league and he had 75 war and it was still like a semi-reasonable, a very reasonable spot to put him in, absolutely you don't because they, the rest of the world has realized, recognized that this man should not be a part of the game. He should not be recognized as part of the game. So let's, let, let's, let's take that way of thinking. That's the way I've taken um, these, is that if you're really a definitive part of the game, then you should probably be here. At this point, it also becomes, when do you put them in? How do you deal with the guys that were suspended, were given positive tests and all of that that i think gets a little more tricky but brandon how do you like to handle it well i uh think that when you're looking at the guys that took steroids and whatsoever i i kind of separate them into tiers where you have tier one which is bonds clemens and and a gary sheffield who were taking steroids like i said in a time where there was a gray area and like you said, we didn't know that, you know, what, what you were putting in your body was inherently bad for your future and such. And I mean, Jose Canseco has gone on record saying that almost everyone was juicing. That's not the point. Still, they took steroids in a time where there was no rules saying you couldn't do it. That's tier one. Then you have the tier two guys, which is David Ortiz and Sammy Sosa, which we're going to get to, so I won't touch on that now, but just know that they are one step above what I think Bonds and Clemens' usage is. And then we have the tier three guys, which is your Manny Ramirez's and your Alex Rodriguez's, where they both tested for steroids, tested positive for steroids, and then served a suspension. And when they they knew that taking steroids was against the rules. They knew that they were breaking rules when they did these, uh, when they took these tests and when they served these suspensions. So that's how I kind of view it. Uh, There's three separate tiers and depending on where you fall, your overall statistical 
profile needs to be better based on how I have you in that. That makes sense. Yes. All right. Well, the next guy, next person we should talk to or talk about the next two, probably the two biggest first time guys on the ballot easily, A-Rod and David Ortiz. LJ, you've been, you've watched David Ortiz for quite a bit of your life. I watched A-Rod for quite a bit of my life, but how are you approaching these two first time guys? Look, again, I think I put them in, again, I, you, you look at this as a three, three tier team thing. I look at it as a two tier thing and I'm not necessarily hard on either tier in terms of if you're in a tier, forget about it. You're going to have to really convince me. It's overall my view of your impact on the league. But I don't know. I have to say there's a big difference to me. Just the, the very fact there were there was such a storm around A-Rod. There was such proof or particularly proof enough for him to get that 200 some odd game suspension that turned into a 162 suspension from the league over this stuff. The very fact that that happened, regardless of everything else, I think that sets him in a different tier than Ortiz for me. And I'm a little different than a lot of, a lot of people, or at least the growing sentiment in this. And Brandon, you're not probably not going to like me saying this, but this is just the way I feel. I think first ballot Hall of Fame really means something. First ballot and staying on the ballot mean 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 a, a tier are different types of classifications for guys on this ballot that aren't just I'm a hall of famer now if you're a first ballot you've that really says something and I'm not sure I can I have not decided whether I can give that honor to a guy like Alex Rodriguez yet I would I'm interested to hear your opinion but for me Poppy absolutely A-Rod absolutely a hall of famer but a second ballot hall of famer I mean a ballot doesn't really matter to me in the because my one vote is out of however many people that end up electing them to the hall of fame is to where I don't mind voting for whoever because I know at the end of the day the majority there's gonna be enough me's me's out there to (laughs) keep it down yeah um no, I mean A Rod, you know, obviously is a probably the he's he's the best shortstop since since the league was integrated, and then he moved to third base and had a, almost a Hall of Fame career at third base after having pretty much a Hall of Fame career at shortstop, two Hall of Fame careers, uh, in one, and look, I mean you there's certainly people that are going to leave him off of their, their ballot entirely. They, they think that what he did was worse though. The there's certainly hall of fame voters that look at bonds and Clemens and they see what, what they did with steroids and they don't put them on their ballot. And then they see someone like a rod and they're way more against a rod than they are bonds and Clemens. So a rod, you know, we're going to have to see exactly how, how many votes he ends up, he ends up getting. Uh, but as for him, I certainly think he's a Hall of Famer, and I would vote for him 
uh, if I had a ballot. We are going to go through our actual ballots, though, at the end. Uh, and then as for for uh, for David Ortiz, uh, look, I mean, that test that he like failed, he fails this voluntary PED test that the MLB says is anonymous. Uh, you know, it's not going to matter whatever happens with you test positive or not. Somehow the New York Times gets a hold of it. David Ortiz and Sammy Sosa's names are on that test. We don't know what they tested positive for, but we do know they tested positive for some performance enhancing drug. Uh, look, if the test was, was supposed to be anonymous and we weren't supposed to know about it, clearly it it's not that big of a deal. Uh, and again, too, I think an important thing to think about is the context of health at that time, too. As much, it, It's not like everyone was injecting steroids. Like the elite, illicit performance enhancing drug drugs at the, that, that have started at that time and since then were different than the 90s. And the also, I mean, the, the amount of like, you know, the supplement shops that we see nowadays too and everything, it's a different world. It's a different kind of context, I think, that you put it in as well for all of those guys that makes that that whole, uh, that test testing thing very different for me, especially seeing we don't have so much, so much ill-defined information on it because it wasn't supposed to be shared. Well, I, I, I believe that, that a David Ortiz did do enough to warrant a vote more than likely uh, from most, most voters, regardless of that test. Uh, let's start going through these guys a little quicker. Uh, well, actually, we do have one, or we do have a few more that are big names. Kurt Schilling. Uh, here's the thing with Kurt Schilling. I'm going to go over this quick. He says he doesn't want to be on the ballot. Uh, and look, if you don't want to vote for him for that reason, that's, that's, uh, totally fine. That's kind of where I fall. That, uh, that's that's honestly the only valid reason you can agree though. That's the only valid reason not to vote for Kershaw. If you want to use the character clause for him, I certainly think that that is a reason, um, regardless of how he, what his opinions are on, uh, on politics or whatever, he has made statements that can be very offensive to others. Uh, so I can see how you want to use the the character clause. I personally wouldn't use the character clause. I would use the fact that he doesn't want to be on the ballot. He says he doesn't want to be on the ballot. He'd rather be inducted by the Veterans Committee. Uh, certainly, stats-wise, is a Hall of Famer, but if he doesn't want people to be putting his name on the ballot, if he isn't going to show up when the if, if he was to be inducted, then why should we even toy around with it? He, he's probably going to get in eventually through through the Veterans Committee. So just why not just wait, use your vote on someone else who actually wants to be in the Hall of Fame through this through this uh, voting method? Yeah, look, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I can understand Kurt Schilling not wanting to be voted in at this point. You are now in your last year of this where you have been whipped around by this group time and time again for quite a long time, being rather close to making it over that mark to be a Hall of Famer. And yet because of people's personal interpretations of the world, people's 
other people's political decisions, the fact the fact that you sh- you are willing to be vocal about your own decisions in life. I mean, I guess the question becomes: Is this ever going? Is this going to come up again? Now more than ever, I think the next next few classes like are the people the modern people right now are going to be more politically culturally opinionated online to the public than anyone ever before are these things all going to be taken as seriously as Kurt Schilling's was or is he just going to be the one guy that oh we don't like him so screw him and go and I know he had issues with the media before but it just feels a little bit not bullying, but either way, my point being with this whole rant is I can understand that if you've had to deal with this ridiculousness for nine years now, why would you want to be voted in by these people that have been um, being a pain in the ass the whole time? So I can understand not wanting to be voted in on that. All right. Well, con- continuing along with this sort of top tier of guys who have very strong stats cases to to get in, but also have some sort of baggage. We have the trio of Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, and Manny Ramirez. I believe that it is Sosa and Sheffield's last year on the ballot. Uh, Uh, It is Sosa's last year. It is Sheffield's eighth year. Eighth year. Okay. Um, So, yeah, Sosa falls in the same category as David Ortiz. Like I said, same test that they both uh, had. And then as for, for our Gary Sheffield, he's in that category with, with Bonds and Clemens. Uh, not sure that he statistically can match up to the likes of Bonds and Clemens to be able to get in. He certainly has a good case, uh, but I, I don't know. Uh Sheffield's a tough guy to evaluate for me because defensively he really wasn't good for his entire career. A lot of negative war coming from there. And he played in the national league for almost his entire career. So that's certainly not a good sign hitting wise. I mean, he was, he was one of the best hitters in the league for a long time, but tough case to evaluate as for Manny Ramirez, another tough case where he, fails two PED tests uh, in the same era, you know, with A-Rod and uh, was a extremely talented hitter. But uh, I also don't know if he has done enough to get over that fact that he did fail, not one, but two separate steroid tests. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation with all of these guys because we're not we're not doubting the numbers, but I think mm. all of these guys, if you're not if you're if you're not a never PDR, then all of these guys, maybe with the exception of Sheffield, should be last options. Like like especially for the long ballot guys. If you have room at the end of your ballot, that's when you throw them in. But if you never end up if somebody goes through each year and is like, okay, I recognize this with Sosa. I'm going to put him on the back burner. And then for 10 straight years, they find 10 people that they cannot leave off in order to bring Sosa in. Then that's a valid, that valid point. And that's a valid reason to keep him off. I believe Sosa and Sheffield certainly are on a, 
higher tier than Manny. Manny probably should be reasonably at this point should be the last one of the group to get in. If you have extra spots, I can't doubt you. I can't blame you for putting him in. He was an amazing player. Again, another guy who was really a major factor for a lot of the 2000s and a major face in baseball. So I can't blame you for that, but I think he should definitely be on the back burner. All right, next, now we're going to go into some other guys who certainly have statistical uh, cases to get in and not as much a baggage attached to them. So this is more just based on, is this guy a Hall of Famer based on what his stats say? All the other guys we talked about are more than likely Hall of Famers based on their stats, but had previous baggage. All right, we'll start off with the trio of Scott Rowland, Andrew Jones, and Todd Helton. Scott Rowland is the one guy where I feel like he is undoubtedly, I really don't see how you can make a case where he is not a Hall of Famer. You take a look at some of the stats where you compare him to all-time third baseman, and he lines up. He's either in front of Hall of Famers or is the first guy behind a big group of Hall of Famers in almost every... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Statistical counting stat. 70 war, uh, great, great uh, defense throughout the years. Eight gold gloves, seven-time All-Star. He does have a Rookie of the Year and a World Series for those who care about accolades. And I feel like for him, it's really easy. Andrew Jones, the best defensive center fielder of all time. He also hit 430 home runs. Uh, certainly a very easy statistical case for him if you wanted to. Uh, put him on your ballot. And then Todd Helton, uh, for his entire career, he has a 300, 400, 500 slash line. If you look at every other player for their entire career who's had that slash line, they're all pretty much Hall of Famers or are going to be Hall of Famers uh, or is Manny Ramirez, who uh, probably won't get in, but does have that slash line as well. So that's my take on those three. Um. I cannot, I cannot disagree with um, the last two. Andrew Jones and Todd Helton, absolutely Hall of Famers. Get them on in there. I also have to mention, we really should be, in addition to three-time gold glove and four-time silver slugger, which, honestly, I love seeing guys who get both. Mm. Because, like, that, that is a full, well, very well-rounded baseball player to do it multiple times as well. How the hell did he not win that MVP in 2000? Yeah. Leads, leads the league in hits, doubles, RBIs, batting average, on-base, slugging, OPS, of course, and comes in fifth. Fours. I know, but, like, at the same time. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. Uh, no, I have uh, no idea. Um. Yes, is what it is. As for Scott Rowland, which is the one I want to talk about here, because if you're asking somebody to make a case, I think he's a very good player. 
I don't know why. The, the fact that there's nothing jumping out at me is the issue. A lot of these other guys have major shows. Maybe it's just because I, I am an accolades person. I think if we're talking about guys who should be in the Hall of Fame, you have to look at them not only through the lens of, of modern MLB and the lens of their numbers compared to the entire history of the league, but you also have to look at what they did through the lens of the time that they did it and the people that were there when they did it. And I, that's what accolades show here. And I think if you're looking for a reason to not like him, the lone top 10 MVP finish is one. Yeah. The, lack, the lack of time ever, ever leading the league in anything is another. So I think there's certainly a case here for Scott Rollins not to be purely because he was, was he ever truly dominant, a dominating force in the league during his time? I would say in 2004, yes. Nine, 9.2 war is something. Yes. But I, he's I an interesting case, though, because I, there is a lot of people like, look, he played 17 years. So he has the counting stats. And that means something, because if you stay like in order to get the counting stats, you have to be good for a long time. You know, people be like, oh, well, he played for a long time. So that's why he got, you know, all of his counting stats. Like, well, you, you know, just because you're playing for a long time, you also have to be like somewhat good when you're playing for that long. And Scott Rowan was good for pretty much his entire career. You see, I like I like to I like the combination. I need, I, I need an era of dominance within that. No, so. I, I agree. All right. Next up we have Billy Wagner, who is a really interesting case, and I'm excited to talk about him. So Billy Wagner is a relief pitcher, and obviously the Hall of Fame has not been very friendly to relief pitchers in the past until Mariano Rivera gets in. Now it seems like it's a little more open for guys to get in. And Billy Wagner only had 900 innings in his entire MLB career. Yet in those 900 innings, he has pretty much been the best pitcher of all time who has thrown 900 innings or more. And I can, and I have some stats to back it up. First of all, he is second in ERA plus to Mariano Rivera all time for if you've thrown 900 innings. He's the only relief pitcher since integration with 900 innings and a sub one whip. And he has the lowest hits per nine and strikeout percentage among pitchers with 900 innings. Sixth on the all time save leaderboard. And I mean, Look, when when you look at just his his overall body of work, he never really had a bad season. And this guy was a shutdown closer pretty much year after year. He pitched 16 years. This guy is a you can make a very strong case that if he gets in, uh, a lot more guys could get in. And I'm excited to talk about another guy coming up in a little bit. Yeah, but Brandon. He only got 47 wins. How could this be possible? 47 and 40? Duh. He's Crash. above 500, though. Um, 
look, I kid, of course. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe it's, I think honestly, it's just, maybe it feels, maybe this doesn't feel like this to you, but this feels like a really deep class to me. Super deep, especially when you have to add that A-Rod and Big Poppy first year on the ballot. Yeah, so like I, there's just there's a lot of guys here that excite me and a lot of guys that excite me more than Billy Wack. And that's just kind of the nature of things. I mean, currently right now, I will tell you, on my it's very I've kept my uh, ballot for later very soft. I currently have nine players on it. I think wait, eight players on it with four guys that are in the next group. I'm keeping those two spots open. I might add to that, but I'm not sure that he, I would put him in over any, but maybe one of the guys on that next group. All right. Next up, we've got Omar Vizquel. Uh, LJ, very strange case here where in real life, his voting numbers have been tanking as he has quite a bit of baggage to him. He has, uh, I believe it is domestic abuse and sexual harassment allegations that are pretty recent. And this has led to voters not voting him in or taking them off of their their ballots uh, after they had put him on there originally in years past. Personally, I don't think that he has the statistical makeup to get in the Hall of Fame defensively sure very strong i'm not going to argue you on that point whatsoever but the hitting there's a lot left to be desired i mean 82 ops plus for his entire career he was a below average hitter for over i mean 12,000 plate appearances that's a long time to be not an above average hitter uh and now that you have this, you know, more more baggage attached to him with this these sexual harassment allegations, I'm staying away from him. Yeah, just to make to make the case though, and then again, you can only you can really only make the case with him on the defense. Eleven gold gloves just makes your eyes light up, especially oh, yeah. when you see that the gold gloves went nine straight. Yeah. Yeah, nine straight. It's like Arenado. It's like he was doing what we think Arenado is going to do. It breaks my heart to have to talk about him not being. And honestly, without that whole situation, for me, he's right on in there. He's close for for a lot of people. So yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a heartbreaker. But eleven, yeah, just just to put that in again. The people of his era, the baseball minds of his era, thought he was the best defensive player at his position for nine straight years. For almost a decade, he was the guy. And then he won. Think about, just think about that. That that alone to me, just that very statement is enough to put him in without, of course, the other issues. Or how he was 38 and 39 and then won two more cold clubs. Yeah. Uh, all right. We still have quite a bit of time here, so we can go through some other names that are still on the ballot. I want to talk about Bobby Abreu, who 
Uh, if I had a ballot last year, I think I would have voted him in uh, as it was a little weaker last year. But here's the case for Bobby Abreu. Uh, eight straight seasons of 100 walks. Only him and Frank Thomas have ever done that. The only other hitters with a higher on base percentage and more stolen bases since integration, Barry Bonds and Ricky Henderson. Uh, that's some it's pretty good uh, company also when you look at his entire career statistical profile matches up pretty well to vladdy senior who indeed is in the hall of fame so certainly a case for for a bobby abreu unfortunately throughout his entire playing career you never looked at him and said yeah that guy's a hall of famer but this, but the stats certainly are there to make a case. But it, it's not. I I can't even. I again, I can't even put him in that next group because you're right. That's exactly what I'm looking at. That's what I'm seeing here. Is if no one ever thought he was the tenth, even the tenth best player in the league, what else is standing out about this guy to make it? If he only has two all stars to his name. If he has only has a singular gold glove and silver slugger to his name, then why am I to think that he belongs here? That's why I'm staying away from him. But Brandon, do we want to talk about, again, these are the types of guys that always intrigue me. Tim Lincecum gets on this ballot. Yeah. And I love it because this is a guy who we talk about guys being the face of baseball. This guy was like the pitcher for a stretch here. Really, 2008 through, uh, yeah, 2008 to 2010. I know that, or 2011, excuse me, can't read. Um, this guy was the best, best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, uh, without a question. Like, there's no, I don't really think you can make an argument. It, if it's hard to make if, if he had stayed healthy, it, considering that he was doing this Cy Young at 24, if he had stayed healthy, are we even having a discussion about him? No, but, but LJ, I think the important thing to bring up with Tim Lincecum is that his career should not come down to whether or not he has a plaque in the Hall of Fame. No. We need to realize what he did and how important he was to the game. I mean, he was insanely popular. I think that that's fair to say. He was one of the most popular players in the league. He was clearly a generational talent, and people loved watching him pitch. He was It was a great story, really, just him in general. So They don't call him big-time Timmy Jim for nothing. Big-time Timmy Jim. You got to appreciate him. Um, LJ, I just have a, like two other guys I want to talk about, and then can we go to our ballots? Yep. First, I'm going to start with Jeff Kent, uh, who actually did win the MVP award in 2000, LJ. So there's the answer to the Todd Helton question that you had. Uh, Jeff Kent, look. That's not, the, that's not the answer. That's that's a side question of who. I'm asking how. <laughs> I need to know how. Well, Jeff Kent, LJ second baseman, true second baseman. And he hit for power at a position that 
typically doesn't have a lot of power. Now, aside from Marcus Simeon in 2021, which was, you know, him playing out of position, not his natural spot. But among all primary second basemen, Jeff Kent had the most home runs ever at 377. Uh, He's a guy that was not well liked by his teammates, though, whatsoever. And while you could potentially make a case stats wise, Sometimes the Hall of Fame does turn into a popularity contest with the voting and similar to to a Bobby Abreu. Uh, You know, if your teammates didn't like you, then, you know, why are journalists and these other people going to want to vote you in uh, if you even have a mediocre case like he does? So that's Jeff Kent. Joe Nathan is the last guy I want to touch on. And look, here's my take with Joe Nathan. He is, if Billy Wagner gets into the Hall of Fame, you can make the argument for Joe Nathan to be in. He's only, he's one of nine pitchers, this is including the Negro Leagues, with 900 innings pitched in an ERA plus of over 150. The other pitchers, Mariano Rivera, Billy Wagner, Bill Foster, Bullet Rogan, Jacob deGrom, Clayton Kershaw, Pedro Martinez, and Satchel Page, all are Hall of Famers or will be Hall of Famers. He's also one of six relief pitchers with 20 war and 30 wins probability added. The others, Dennis Eckersley, Hoyt Wilhelm, Goose Gossage, Mariano, and Trevor Hoffman, who are all Hall of Famers as well. That's my Joe Nathan case. Brandon, um, it's looking about time. We got about five minutes left. Why don't we go ahead through? You can go first because I'm still trying to decide if I want to fill in my last spot. All right. Should we go one by one or should I just go through my my? I think you should go through yours. Okay. I'm going to go through all. I'm not going to say how many I have until we get to the end. Coming in first, we have Scott Rowland. Like I said, ranks extremely high in most third base categories. He's a sabermetric darling. There's no baggage to him. I love me, Scott Rowan. Next up, we have the pair of Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. We'll both get my vote. After that, we have A-Rod and David Ortiz. I will give both of the first-timers my vote. So that is five so far. Sammy Sosa, along with David Ortiz, gets my vote as they are lumped in with the same thing as I alluded to earlier. All right, the next two. Andrew Jones and Todd Helton will both be getting votes from me, uh, both sabermetric, sabermetrically very strong cases. My last two, I'm going to go with Billy Wagner for my ninth, for my ninth spot. And then for prior to me making my, to announcing my last pick, I just want to explain the way the Hall of Fame voting works, you have to get at least 5% of the vote to be able to stay on the ballot for the next year. And I used my 10th selection on a guy that I would hope gets over 5% on the ballot. So that way he can stay on the ballot for future years. So while there is other players who I would consider voting into the Hall of Fame and certainly may have a better case than this guy, I'm doing it for that reason. 
And the player is Joe Nathan. Like I just said, I think the Hall of Fame could certainly open up for relief pitchers in the near future if if a Billy Wagner gets in. There's really a lot of guys that should get in and are going to be eligible on the ballot very soon. Really just comes down to the usage question. But overall, once again, my 10, Roland, Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod, Ortiz, Sammy Sosa, Andrew Jones, Todd Todd Helton, Billy Wagner, and Joe Nathan. Again, the exciting part about this year is there's no one I really can dispute like, oh, he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You can't be playing filling 10 in. While I wouldn't have gone with the pitchers, I cannot blame you on that. I ended up with I ended up deciding to go to 10. Here are my 10. Starting off, of course, we have Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, and then of course Kurt Schilling. Finishing off the 10 strong. They all three really should get in regardless of the other stuff. Next, we have the newcomer, David Ortiz. Todd Helton doesn't get the MVP. He gets the MVP in my heart, but he also gets a Hall of Fame nomination. Andrew Jones, Sammy Sosa. I'd already decided to bring this guy along for the ride to try to get above because I agree with you. In addition to being a Hall of Famer, there's more to it on these ballots. There's more respect given on these ballots. I think first ballot Hall of Famer means something. And I think staying on the ballot for more than one year also means something. Because you're not not everybody's necessarily a Hall of Famer. This isn't the NBA, Brandon. Not everyone's a Hall of Famer. But it's a huge honor to be able to stay in that conversation for more than one year. It's an honor to be in that conversation to begin with. But to stay more than one year. That's why Tim Lincecum gets my seventh or eighth selection. I love it. Next, we have the two guys that ended up sliding in during this podcast. We have Gary Gary Sheffield and Scott Rowland. Okay. I know you went first. I went last. So that's certainly interesting. And then for those who are wondering who my next group were in order, Alex Rodriguez, Omar Vizcal, and Manny Ramirez were also in consideration. Now, can I ask about what made you flip on Sheffield and Scott Rowland, and then we'll head out of here? I think, well, to be honest, I just hadn't, I hadn't given Gary Sheffield a fair shake, I don't think. You know, you do so much research on all these guys, Brandon, and you can get bogged down into a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And I think I just needed to come at this at a fresh start and say, yeah, he was, he was for, he was literally... He was first in my following group, but not in, and this pushed it right over the little edge. There was honestly a little edge for both of them because the overall numbers for Scott Rowland are terrific. I just, I could definitely see him not getting in for the same reasons I almost kept him off. Well, all right. That was successful. LJ and I did not tear each other apart. We came to an agreement at the end. All ends well. All right. Thank you for listening. Next Monday, we will have more content for you. What are we going to be talking about? No idea. It's another mystery episode for both of us right now. Yes. as Lots of fun. We're going to have it together. There is, as you can imagine, baseball is not hot in the streets right now. There is not much news. The gas hasn't even turned on in the hot stove yet. No, yeah. We haven't even, LJ, 
we don't even know what there is to cook on the stove right now. There's no reason to even turn it. Is it, it possible that, it, that the hot stove hasn't even cooled down enough from November? Yeah. They still haven't even gotten to clean the hot stove. Yeah, no, we we just put the put the plate on the table. We're just we're just getting ready. But thank you all for listening. Check us out next Monday. And on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. We're gonna be much more active on our social medias this offseason with nothing else to do. Interact with us. We're both gonna post our ballots on the Twitter. And yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. See ya. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.